Hi, and welcome to On the Record with Campaign Middle East. I'm Austin Allison, the editor of Campaign Middle East. You can find out more about us on www.campaignme.com and also follow us on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter, which you can find on the website. Uh, read the magazine, sign up for our webinars. The podcast is available on Angami, and you can find more episodes there, as well as wherever you get your podcasts from. This episode is in partnership with Global Legacy, which specializes in executive and leadership coaching and mentoring. And you'll find out more about that very soon because I'm joined by Abdulaziz Al-Rumi, who's a thought leader and an author in the fields of leadership and HR. Abdulaziz is also the founder of Global Legacy. So hi, Abdulaziz. How are, how are you? Hi, Austin. So it's been great. And thank you for uh, your time and hosting me. Not at all. Not at all. I just mentioned in your intro that you're an, an author and you recently wrote a book about leadership that's called Prevail. And well, first of all, what's Prevail and what made you want to write this book? Well, basically, sir, I've been asked a question by my friend. So he asked me, what is leadership? And I've been doing this for the past 17 plus years. And I realized I didn't have my own perception or my own description of leadership. So I got confused there. And then through my research, I end up writing my first book, basically because I want to be genuine, I want to be authentic, and I want to be, be sure in what you know, essential leadership really means. And then Prevail came because I thought that while I'm writing, one book isn't enough. So this would be my pillar of leadership. And the first, you know, the first step is to prevail. Oh. And just to give you a hint, the next book will be Dominate, and the last book will be Inspire in order to have your own legacy. So Prevail, Dominate, Inspire... Excellent. Yes. God, that's uh, that's pretty ambitious to start off without, you know, I'm not sure that I've got one book in me, let alone three. But um, <laughs> so what, So what? Um, well, first of all, if your friend started off by asking you what is leadership, what, what what's your answer now? Have you found out? <laughs> have, you, have you worked out what leadership is? It wasn't easy at all. And, and basically, my definition of leadership is mentioned there in my book, The Leadership Triangle. My definition of leadership is to have a vision you know, supported by competence and measured by the desired change. So if there is no moving forward, there is no leadership. There might okay. be managing or might, might be chaos because you cannot lead a budget, you manage a budget, but you can lead people and manage processes. You don't manage only people in order to move forward. So these simple terms are not clear for people. Now, in order from my end to be authentic is you need to have fulfillment. Fulfillment is the base, is the flame that helps you to have a solid leadership foundation, in addition to the three I just mentioned. So the three are, um, right, go through. Vision, so, competence, yeah. and change. And change is different from fulfillment. The, the change is basically the result. So, so basically, say, I want to make a million dollars. Okay, so that's a vision. Do yeah. I know how? And do I really want? And do I have the skill to get that? Whether is it through me or through the team? Okay. Right, And then I measure my progress through the change. So what is the desired change? Is it small changes? Is it KPIs? Right, And then I, when I do my measurement, I realize is either I need to go back to my competence level or my vision. Maybe my vision isn't realistic. Or maybe I don't want to be a millionaire. And the way to measure it is through fulfillment. Am I happy pursuing this million dollar? Okay. And that's why I don't like, I, I don't, don't want to push people always to change the game, as they say, and, you know, really uh, rock the boat or be an entrepreneur. Because everyone needs to be realistic with their own strengths 
with their own vision, with their own purpose, and based on their values. Okay. And this so is the foundation of fulfillment. Nice. That sort of uh, changes the game a bit. So what, what else can people learn from the book? Well, basically, in order to for, uh, for me to answer my friend correctly in a compre- comprehensive manner, I realized that in order for you to prevail or stand out or to move to the next level, because this is basically the essence of the book, is first you need to lead yourself using the leadership triangle, leading okay. self. Yeah. Because before you lead others, you need to lead yourself. You need to know where you're going. Okay. And in order to do so, you need to, to have personal mastery. So you really can manage your time, manage yourself, manage your skills, and know where you're going. Once you do that very well, then people will be attracted to your, you know, character. And then you need to be a master and storyteller and communication skills, emotional intelligence, what have you. The third step is you need to lead your fanatics to be a team of warriors. Okay. Why warriors? Because they will die for the cause. An ultimate vision needs to be a, a serving vision. It's bigger than you in order for you to be happy. Because today I want to get a Ferrari. Tomorrow I don't want to get a Ferrari. I want to get something else. So it doesn't, <laughs> I won't be, you know, as fulfilled, as authentic, as genuine, as caring in order to lead people. If I have a bigger cause than me, then you really do it. Whether you do it for the business or you do it for, like, for example, Nelson Mandela and, and Steve Jobs. Okay. Both delivered extraordinary results because their vision is too high and too genuine. Relevant of the character, so so it's about so that's I mean that's about vision that's about that one that one point on your triangle. Um, yes. So so Nelson Mandela, for example, would have the vision of a of a, a free South Africa. Well, the change would be what he actually brought about. Um, right. He was able to bring it about, and his vision was being able to see what he he wanted. I mean, that was in a political sense. And okay, I can see how how that'd work. And then the. Yeah, and the fulfillment is presumably the sort of the driving force that makes you get out of bed in the morning and carry on, carry on doing it. Exactly. And then he had that influencing skills and he was able to manage to lead the, lead the team and the team of, you know, the, the warriors or the people who would die for that cause. Okay. So that's why we still have a, a solid country in South Africa and the same with, uh, with Apple and what have you, even though the leader is gone. And is this, I mean, is this the same sort of thing as... Um, you know, you read a lot recently about thinking like an entrepreneur and so on, and people praise the sort of entrepreneurial spirit. Is that, um, does that sort of come into this? Yeah, this is basically, this is a, the, the hype. This is a trend, which I hate. I hate trends. Okay. okay? All right. Suit it. Suit that. Yes. Well, well, basically, because we are unique. This is the essence of prevail. You get in touch with your personal values and what you like. And values are always something good. You cannot have a value of stealing, right? It has to be something noble, a virtue. Right. So for me, entrepreneurship will not work. Why I always not? hated entrepreneurship <laughs> because I had my, my own bakery shop, my own cafe. Now I have my business and I, I really would prefer to work in, a, in a, an office, in a in corporate environment, hundred times better because I know what time to go to work, what time to leave. I'm a workaholic. If I had, and I had this during COVID also for nine months and it drove me crazy because I don't know when to stop. Okay, and I'm always pushing myself too hard. And I really, honestly, I like people to take care of me. I like to have my coffee there. <laughs> I like to have my desk and do my best thing, which is thinking and doing leadership and coaching. This is this is really um, 
I don't know, quite refreshing to hear. As I say, I think I think you're the first person I've spoken to, especially the first first person for, from an actual sort of leadership coaching perspective, who's not told me that I should go out and think like an entrepreneur and that everything I should do should be entrepreneurial. That it's okay to that because um, I don't know. I'm, I'm schizophrenic. I think sometimes I. You know, sometimes I want to be left to my own devices, but sometimes, like you, I, like you were saying, I want somebody to tell me what needs to be done and things. So, is this? This sounds like. So, which is where does this fit into the sort of the leadership triangle that you were talking about? What changes between uh, someone who is driven to be an entrepreneur and someone who works better in a in a corporate um, situation? Well, basically, it's, it's it's your vision. Where do you want to be? You know, uh, okay, I'll, I'll go uh, really uh, on the dark side here. At the oh. age of 19 or 95, and this is uh, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith always keeps uh, remember, rem- yeah. remembering us with, um, on your deathbed, what would you regret the most? Okay. And prevail not only touches based on your career, it touches based on your life as well. So we build, we bring both together. So, so basically an entrepreneur, I appreciate all the entrepreneurs, but I don't like to push people and, you know, just promoting, leave your job, quit your job, live your life, be your own boss. That is not correct at all. Okay. I would like to say it's more of a BS, right? Okay. So there are some people who can be entrepreneurs. Maybe they're only 1% because there is a lot of pressure and they can handle it. However, without the corporate people, whether it's government or sector uh, or public sector, you cannot have, you know, all the luxuries of life. And they will be the people, they will be the, the mainstream. Okay. And these people will, will really, really give you the stability and make all the profit. So we need them. No, because he, I'm in Switzerland now, because I have a job. So I can just basically check yep. my emails every once in a while and I can live my life. If I was an entrepreneur, I would check my emails and do my work two to three hours a day. I won't have my, my work life balance. <laughs> right. You're saying and this, this is never enough. You're, you're I, saying this as we're uh, on a call for uh, doing this podcast yes. while you're in Switzerland, but then again, this exactly. is more enjoyment than work. Yeah, exactly. This is definitely more enjoyment. However, uh, and as you say, we don't have to do it. We're doing it for for fun. Uh, the, the other thing, and we still we struggle to you know to, to make the time for you even. <laughs> uh, but I, what I, I appreciate in entrepreneurship, they have that that courage. So we need to admire that. However, you will have not only one boss or or no boss. Actually, every person you work with will be your boss. Whether, you know, in a corporate environment, you only have one manager to manage. Okay. Right? So and, and this is the reality. This is what I felt. Again, I find this kind of reassuring that uh, that it gets rid of this sort of, like you say, this this line that everybody should be an entrepreneur. And I've always thought if everybody's an entrepreneur, then what happens to the rest of, you know, what happens to the rest of the stuff exactly. that needs to get done? Exactly. Um, However, I need to replace that word with being resourceful and being resilient because this is the essence of entrepreneurship. This we need to have, especially with COVID. Yeah. So again, let's talk about the sort of flexibility of um, of leadership models and things. I mean, you you I, I think most recently worked in banking. You've worked in oil and gas, F and B. Um, is is leadership something that you can? Is it industry specific, or how much can it be translated across um, sort of one industry to another? You know, we've looked at sort of entrepreneurship versus the corporate world, and said that 
you know, it can be sort of translated a bit across that. But what about one industry to another? Because obviously this, you know, campaign talks about the creative industries. Are we are we talking about yes. something that's completely alien to the creative industries? Or um... Like, uh, just building on my, my initial thought uh, and point that uh, you manage uh, processes, you shouldn't manage people. Okay. You should always lead people. So when it comes to leadership, it's the character. Okay. And I appreciate everyone having their own character and embracing their strengths and weaknesses. Okay. And you would rather, like uh, Dr. Jack Zinger uh, always says, be extraordinary. So focus on your strength, making it better. If, if you don't have a really poor, you know, uh, part of your character, like, for example, being arrogant or lying, then don't really consider improving th- that weak points because someone else is better than you in that. So don't be a mediocre, be uh, the best at what you do. And people will feel your energy. They will feel your compassion, okay? Because this will bring the best of you. So you don't have to speak like a certain person or act like a certain person or you or be as decisive as another person. Be yourself, be the best, be humble. And if you, if you like what you do, then basically you would excel and people would, would love working with you. And no matter what industry you are in, you will, you will succeed. However, even in the book, Okay. Uh, the, my, my main focus is uh, on the corporate guys because I think this is what's really missing and I come from there. So it will be authentic and really, you know, let's say uh, genuine to talk from my experience. Uh, those guys working in the middle, in the corporate and even in the top, they're always pressured. And that's why they always have this 360 feedback. So your superior delivers feedback to you, your peers deliver feedback to you and your subordinates deliver feedback to you. This, you don't get an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial <laughs> environment, yes. <laughs> so there's a lot of politics in there. There is a lot of, you know, different tactics to work. And the industry and the environment plays a lot of difference, you know. Companies, even in the, in the, in the West, even within the, the same country, in the, the US, for example, when they marry together, due to the different culture within their own company, they fail. Oh, now this, okay? is, a, this is going slightly off script, but I, right, I'm okay. fascinated by this because... Yes, like you say, I've I've thought of, I can think of plenty of examples of again in the in the creative world. I can think of plenty of examples when agencies, for example, have merged. Maybe a larger agency has bought a smaller agency, and sometimes they're amazing together, and sometimes they're terrible together. Is there a way around that? Is that can you can you bring two corporate cultures together? You can always do that. However, you need to be really aware of how does how does that work. So here we're not talking about different countries. Different cultures within the yeah. own, you know, uh, industry. Even for the banking here, like for example, we're in Kuwait. We only have nine banks, nine banks, and each bank we know exactly how they talk and how they take the decision and what type of people that they bring in. So it's very solid, and we know if this person can work there or they will fail. Okay. However, however, being genuine and having that fulfillment and the compassion and the communication skills we share, I share in the book. It will help you a lot. If you really care, if fulfillment is the driver, then you will do so. Will that? Because you're going to do the marathon, not going to do the sprint. Okay, so it sounds like you're you're talking about sort of being a... Okay, let's say I'm brought into management at one of the... Let's say I move as a manager from one bank to another, different culture. Are you saying that, uh, that the fulfillment is what will help me sort of bridge that gap? Um, that as long as... It will basically look back at your, at your vision statement. Yeah. What you want to achieve by the age of 60, 70, 40, whatever you have in mind, and why you want to do it. So basically, instead of just comparing salary to salary, compensation, 
or uh, okay. a, a better desk or a better secretary. I don't know. Whatever yeah. has, you know, anyone does their own calculation on the, on the decision to move. Sometimes you will make a decision to move even with less compensation or less benefits for maybe work-life balance. Because, you know, we are one entity. You are a parent or you're a brother and you are a family member and you have friends and you have family and you have your life and you have your health to take, to take care of. You cannot think of yourself only as a chief editor and then make your all your decisions based on that. <laughs> now, but we never touch base on this, you know? Now, now tell, me, tell me quickly about um, work-life balance um, that you just mentioned there. One of the things that okay. a lot of uh, leaders are, to- are looking at at the moment is sort of things like flexible working and so on. You know, but it seems to me that you're sort of preaching quite a sort of, you know, you're quite happy in the corporate environment. Are you against flexible working or do you, or what do you sort of feel about, um, you know, about work from home, about remote working and things like that? How do, where, how do you sort of address that or how should leaders address that? Two answers that will, you know, uh, tackle more than one thing. Okay. Uh, just to give, you know, the, the, the audience, although I'm the founder of Global Legacy and I established that in 2021. Okay, the early 2021, or a little bit before. I'm actually a head of learning and talent within one of the largest Islamic banks in Kuwait. Okay. Why? Because it gives me more fulfillment and it gives me more insight to do what I like to do rather than being my own boss, as you say, or the entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay? Uh, and that's due to COVID now. I'm preaching and I'm still p- pushing because I own the culture there within the bank. I, I'm in charge also of the culture that... We send everyone home, okay, and validate the productivity. Okay. Okay. So, you were forced, and, for, and this is very unfortunate. We, we were forced, okay, we used to hear that people have flexible working hours and they work less hours a week and all of that. And we used to laugh about it. We say it doesn't work here with the Middle East, blah, 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 and it doesn't work. I've heard okay. that a lot. And then we were hit. <laughs> yes, we were hit with COVID, okay, and everything one is exposed. All the world is working the same way, okay. And we are adapting the, the flexible working hours. But unfortunately, we didn't learn from it. We're going back to the punching card. Okay. Oh. So how would you know? How would you know? Because it's basically giving you, say, um, authority that I can ask this person to do something. I can ask us to print me something, you know, and that's really bad. So if they're not around, who am I leading? <laughs> okay. So and I this think- is, yes. Go ahead. No, I was about to say, I see that in the creative industries as well, that, uh, you know, a lot of creators had to work from home and then now they're sort of coming back to the office and uh, some agencies are, I've seen the absolute, you know, I've seen the it change from across the creative industry. Some people are complete remote working, work to your own schedule and so on. And some are absolutely back to the punch card. And it seems... You know, sort of how do you decide where you're going to sit on that spectrum? Well, for me, you need to know, uh, and this is what I keep also preaching, my HR folks, whether it's within my organization or others, uh, the cost of the salary and the benefits, you know, the direct money that goes to the employee is only 60% of their cost. Okay. Okay. There is a hidden cost that people don't really count. And uh, for, for me to be profitable, you need to help me make at least double the cost that I'm paying you Directly and indirectly. Right. Okay. So, you know, by all means, if I send people uh, away to work from home, they would volunteer to buy their own laptops. Okay. Their own headsets. Right. Whatever they will do to work from home. But guess what? They cannot sneak, if you know how to make them, you know, productive and doing work less than the eight hours that they should 
However, if they're in the office, they can chat. They can go have two lunches maybe <laughs> or a breakfast and a lunch and have all their whatever excuses they have to go finish their own personal work just to remain within your working hours, but they don't really produce. And they feel more like a, a cage. However, when we tried in my uh, previous uh, petrochemical company, the flexible working hours, we all realized that everyone was there at least for eight hours. At least for eight hours. At because now like, it's flexible. Okay. Yeah. Yes, because you need to make your own time. You need to complete your eight hours. Before, you need to come from seven to three. Yeah. And then if you had to leave, do something personal, whatever, it's okay. You can take an excuse for two hours, three hours and come back. And this is the average. So right. you're losing a lot, of, a lot of work and people are less happy. When I give people flexible hours, they will do more work and they are, because they own it. That's the thing, Austin. They own the decision. You need to involve people and lead. And this is leadership, not managing. Now, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you, okay. um, well, I've got a couple of quick questions that will have to be quite quick. Right. One of them is okay. you did say, and you hinted at it earlier, you hinted at people sort of saying, oh, this won't work in this region and so on. Now, you've talked about um, the likes of you know, a lot of the examples that you gave were international and very much sort of Western American um, examples. Uh, how much of the sort of the leadership liter and literature out there is applicable to the, to the Middle East? Um, you know, is it universal? Is it uh, Western, Eastern divide? And I mean, you've written your book in, uh, in English rather than in Arabic, and you quote a lot of um, Western experts uh, what's the sort of what's the thinking behind behind that? And, and is can the Middle East be equated to the to the West? What I honestly felt that whatever is there was genuine, you know, thoughts and ideas and practices. It actually happened, and it happened for for the care of the of the human. Okay, uh, and that's why most companies they don't use the word HR there, especially in the West. They use chief people officer or the people department or the human capital. But they do it sincerely, especially the successful ones. However, when you look at a human resource itself, then you are a resource. So a human or employee is similar to a printer <laughs> who <laughs> depreciates, right? And it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. Just changing the, the terms will change everything. Now, because we became all one global citizens and one, one global universe, and everybody is watching, you know, all the companies are comparing themselves to global companies. And employees comparing to themselves to Google. So let's have like Google. Why don't we have like a flexible working hours like Google, you know? So even people from Kuwait or Dubai or anywhere, they can compare themselves to others because they're living the same lifestyle. So either you get pushed and forced <laughs> to submit and actually deal with the new generation and the generation Z, <laughs> okay? When it, because they don't go with the, the traditional way. Okay? However, the CEOs, the board of directors, they're always also under pressure because now they need to deal with the society, what we call ASG, with the environment, what have you. And then diversity, inclusion, it just never stops. So either you lead it and adapt accordingly or otherwise it will hit you and then you'll be the last and will be least favorable for people to join you. You have no clue how much we suffer for you know the nationals to just be there to work in the branch in a bank where it was actually the most profitable, the most elite job 30 years ago. 
So you can imagine how things are different. Interesting. Interesting. That sort of really changed the, the game there. Big time. Okay, well, we're, we're almost out of time now, but uh, I always like to, um, especially when I'm talking uh, to sort of experts in certain fields, I like to sort of get some sort of takeaways. So what do you think people should take away from this podcast? What If people who are listening to this are wanting to sort of increase their, their leadership skills and to become better leaders, what are the sort of building blocks that they should, uh, that they should focus on? Uh, have you got any sort of quick, quick fixes, people, things that people should should concentrate on? So um, what I feel is that people need to be really aware of how, how they wish to live the, their life and how they want to be remembered. We say we, you have two lives, but one with a choice. The, the other life is the hereafter, okay, according to Islamic <laughs> where the, You just pay for whatever you did in life. Okay? <laughs> okay. So you're going to live two, two lives because of a, you're going to waste both because of poor choices. So take your time. Know where you're going. Know exactly that you are unique from all the seven plus billion. What is that unique thing? And once you find that, and you know you're special in that, and you have you know your strength, and living according to what makes you happy and around the people that make you better will eventually, you know, get you there no matter what. And in a practical sense, how do I do that? Do I sit down? Do I write down my strengths and what makes me happy and find the overlap? Do I, you know? I would recommend that you read Prevail and it will help you there to get that. Good. Uh, good <laughs> exactly. Plan. Because this is the essence of the book. This is the essence of the book. Okay. Where can I, well, I've got my own copy because you, you sent it to me and I recommend <laughs> reading it. Uh, where can, where can yes, other sir. people who aren't as lucky as me, uh, where can people who haven't yet got it, where can they? It's available on Amazon. It's available on uh, Barnes & Noble and 25 plus, you know, online bookstores. It comes in um, ebook as well for 99 cents. Oh, wow. Uh, yes. <laughs> so this is part of my philanthropy. Okay, it's uh, for the ebook. And very soon I'm doing also my my, my audio book. So it's available there or you can more than happy to visit my website to see all the links there. What's your, what's your website? It's www.abdulazizalrumi.com That's Abdulaziz A-B-D-U-L-A-Z-I-Z-A-L-R-O-O-M-I dot com Yes, sir. .com Abdulazizalrumi.com Excellent. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much then. Um, Obviously, that's been, uh, as, we, as I just spelled out, uh, that's been um, Abdulaziz Al-Rumi, who's a, a thought leader and author in leadership and HR, um, or people, as we'll uh, now learn to call it. We're not resources, we're not printers. Um, you're also the, uh, the founder of Global Legacy, which uh, uh, specializes in executive coaching and mentoring. You can find out more about uh, all things media marketing and advertising at campaignme.com and at all our other brand extensions. And you can listen to more of our podcasts on Angami or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot for joining us. Stay safe and goodbye. Goodbye.